You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. National Championships. 27 SEC titles. 131 first-team All-Americans. 70 postseason appearances. 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Cincinnati out in the Cotton Bowl, Alabama meeting a non-Power 5 team, but it's a lot of expectations and a lot of pressure riding on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Number four against number one, heading out of the Cotton Bowl in front of 80,000. The game will be on televised on ESPN. We'll have the call right here on Tide 100.9. Martin Houston every morning beginning at 6 a.m. here in Tuscaloosa. We're going to talk Alabama football with him and a lot more right here on Alabama Tradition. Martin Houston, I hope all is well. Welcome into Alabama Tradition. And it is finally upon us. Game week here. Uh, well, I was going to say here in Tuscaloosa. Game week from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, out in Dallas, Texas. Well, and I definitely want to talk about a lot of different things with you, and, and we'll talk about uh, the SEC 0-3 start and uh, Texas Tech-Mississippi State currently playing as we're sitting here talking. But uh, Alabama, once again, having to carry the water for the SEC and try to find a way to, to get back on the winning side. They've got some games between then. Uh, but you look at this Alabama football team, there's been a lot of conversation about COVID and Bill O'Brien releasing earlier that he is back out in the practice facility. Uh, arrived today out in Dallas. Uh, when when you look at it from an offensive standpoint, do you think this will impact his absence? Uh, will impact this game at all? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I think it will be minimal, if any at all, Ryan, because this isn't putting in the game plan. Okay, it, that makes sense. This yeah, isn't. Th- th- this week is not putting in a game plan. They put in a game plan, you know, in stages when they were leading up to uh, going home on Christmas. And uh, uh, think about a typical week, Ryan. Uh, A typical week you have, you know, what, three days really uh, to to get things ready. uh, And and then you're not able to to really hone in on things uh, because now it's time to Pipe, pipe down, taper down, I mean, uh, and then you're ready to play the next day. And so here, I think they probably already had the game plan in uh, with O'Brien, and now they're literally just working through um, 
you know, fine tuning what they want to run. And uh, Homer Smith used to always say, we put it all in. And then uh, on Monday, and this this was our schedule. There's a little different now. On Monday, put everything in. On Tuesday, uh, we figure out what we couldn't really execute on. Right. Uh, and so that didn't come back out Tuesday. Um, and then on that Tuesday, what you find is the things that you can execute on. And then the Wednesday came around and Wednesday was really you honed in on the things you could win with. Does that make sense? Sure. Like, sure. like, 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 hey, this is this is what we think may work against that team. Ah, It would work, but we can't execute those plays. That's not our culture. That's not our strength, whatever. Next week is, hey, we can execute these things, but can we execute them at a level that will defeat the opponent we're getting ready to play? Wednesday, you were ready. Thursday, you kind of fine-tune. Friday, you walk through. Saturday, you played. Well, they've already been through that process. And now, and, and so they're actually getting several Wednesdays, I call it, uh, when you get into bowl practice. And he said they're doing a normal work week. Saban did, but they don't have to. They already know what they want to do. Here's the crazy question. Working into this, okay, and I know Nick Saban hates rat poison or reverse rat poison or whatever, but do you prepare at all for the, the upcoming opponent since you've had so much time? Like, do you do it without telling your team that you're doing it? Do you look ahead at all to the possibility of the next game, or do you literally just focus on the game at hand? Um, the, 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 I think that they're like, you can look and see Ryan, um, for me, you know, um, if, if I know, I already know what Georgia does, right? Sure. I've already watched film on them and, and, and Nick Saban, I think has guys on his staff watching film, all year anyway on upcoming opponents. So now we have actually game film against um, Georgia. I I know that there's things in the in this week's game plan that we feel like we can execute against Georgia that we can also execute against Cincy. That that, that you see what I'm saying? Like I do. Like yeah. like like do you go out now? Baron Huber told me when when Saban got beat by Florida um, that first year, the next year, he actually had a period set aside where he just told him, we're working on Florida. Um, So sometimes you be that straightforward with it. Other times you can do it without distracting the team uh, and them thinking about Georgia. And the way you do that is you find uh, plays – uh, and schemes or strategies or uh, say, for instance, if, if we if two tight ends works against Georgia, then you will see a lot of two tight end this week as well, because two tight ends will work against a three, three stack aggressive defense. So uh, for the running game, and that's where, where you see them maybe think ahead a little bit. Well, and, and just getting this team back to health. Uh, and I know they're not going to be a completely, you know, 100%. It's just not possible. Uh, but if you begin to look at all the different things around this team, when you think about just getting Brian Robinson back to a 100%, because 
I bet you he was probably closer to 50, 60 percent. Uh, he just did not look healthy, but he was a warrior uh, in that Georgia game. Getting him back, getting these guys just a few weeks to recoup their body and get ready for uh, you know this two-game schedule, as Nick Saban has talked about. Did you see the band that uh, Brian Robinson had, Ryan, on his leg? I uh, don't know if I noticed that. I, I don't know. Yeah, I- yeah. Go back and look at film. He actually had, you know, those workout bands, like the tension bands. It's not, that's not what, but it's it's very similar. It's a tension band, right? And and what they do is if this is hamstring, um, they they put that that band in there. Uh, and they tape it to the calf and to the, the hamstring, and it's tight. So when he stretches out his leg um, and relaxes it, when he runs, that band contracts for him so that he's not having to put as much pressure on the contraction. That's how he was able to play. Uh, so you're right. He was not uh, 100%. He may have been you know, 60%, 70%. But because of and, – and, and you, you've seen that done before, right? I have, but, I mean, not where I think yeah. about a band like that that is it's, – it's, it's literally what it does – think about when you're running. What's happening with that muscle is, is the, the, the torque is when you're picking that leg up and stretching it back out as well. If the ham is pulled and the contraction is your problem, uh, then that alleviates some of that stress off of it. And it, it, it does the work of the muscle is what it amounts to. Hey, Jacob, I see that you put that up there. Is that a is that confirmed? Uh, uh, okay. Uh, John Madden uh, has passed away at the age of 85. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, the NFL legend there, NFL announcing the passing of John Madden. Uh, Did, when, have they, didn't they just do the special? Over Christmas? I don't know. Um, yeah, they just did a, a, a Madden, all Madden, all day, all Christmas, uh, where they showed it, talking about, you know, him as a coach, as a player, I mean, as a, an announcer, and as, a, as you know, the of course, the, the face of the, the Madden craze uh, uh, in, in, um, in PlayStation and Xbox in the gaming world. Um, you know, he, he definitely had some impact. I used to love to, to, to listen to him call games. Well, and, uh, according to this press release coming down, uh, from Adam Scheffler here and from the international football league, uh, it says earlier today, we received the sad news that the great John Madden died unexpectedly this morning. He was 85 on behalf of the entire NFL family, we extend our condolences to Virginia, Mike, Joe, and their families. Uh, that's coming from Roger Goodell. Uh, we all know him as a Hall of Fame coach and the Oakland Raiders coach and a broadcaster who worked for every major network. Uh, but more than anything, he was a, dev- uh, a devout husband, father, and grandfather, end quote, coming from Roger Goodell. So I uh, didn't want uh, to pass that on. So uh, that's, yeah, I mean, all of us uh, grew up with, the legendary uh, John Madden, the voice is just, you know, when you yeah. hear it, you think about football. I mean, you think about football. And Think uh, about that, Ryan. They just, I mean, you know, and, and like everything that they said, true, true, and true. Uh, and it was, it was uh, Fox did a, a documentary on him called All Madden. Wow. And it premiered on Christmas. 
I must have, and, I must have missed yeah, that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and of course, you know, we talk about at Alabama, and it, of course, part of the when they were promoting it, the past, present, and future, you know, uh, of, of a great Hall of Famer. I mean, it's just that's you know, sad news, and you know, um, not a lot, not a lot, um, not a lot of people impact the game the way he did in in every aspect of what he was called to do. Martin, I want to talk about a lot of different things. Um, Let's break here. I do have some Nick Saban audio that we're going to talk about on the other side, but Bill O'Brien, Pete Goni yesterday was as impressive as, and he always is when you get him in front of the mic, but he said a couple things that I want to ask you about when he talked about, I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry to be a head coach. Uh, That was something that kind of stuck with me, the way that he said it. We'll play that audio and we'll get into that. That's Martin Houston. I'm Ryan Fowler. This is Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tuscaloosa, that's Martin Houston. I'm Ryan Fowler. We're going to be talking a lot about Alabama Crimson Tide football. We're going to talk a lot about Cincinnati and Alabama, and uh, we'll do that here. John Madden uh, getting the the statement earlier. We talked about this in the original segment, uh, but the NFL sending out an official announcement a couple of minutes ago uh, that earlier today, John Madden, the Hall of Famer and broadcaster coach, died unexpectedly this morning. He was 85. Uh, Roger Goodell uh, sending his condolences to his wife, uh, their two sons, and their families uh, there. Uh, Martin, I want to go to Nick Saban audio here post-practice, and we'll get a reaction. I have not even heard the audio, but we'll play the audio. Alabama's practicing out in Jerry World, and Nick Saban spoke for just a couple of minutes here following practice, and this is what he had to say. How's your team responded in their time here in Dallas? I think we've done well. We had good practice at home. We had three days off for Christmas. You know, a lot of travel in between and getting here, but uh, everything's been, you know, really well done since we've been here. I mean, you guys have provided us great atmosphere and environment to work in, and uh, the players have stayed focused, you know, pretty well. We're trying to keep everybody healthy on and off the field relative to what's happening, uh, but the energy level has been good and the players have been good. Coach, when players develop throughout the season, talking about your quarterback, Bryce, what are the differences you see in him now than maybe the start of the season? Well, I think Bryce played well all year long, so it's hard to say that, you know, like he wasn't very good and he got better. He's been better all year long. I think he's got more confidence. He's got more confidence in the players that play around him in terms of what they have to do. I think his knowledge of the entire system on offense and being able to help us stay away from bad plays has probably improved. 
you know, as the season is going on, it's just knowledge and experience. But he's played really well for us all year long, and uh, it's important the way we have to play on offense for him to, to be that kind of player. Finally, on Friday, you have a, a very talented Cincinnati team. When you look at Cincinnati, what stands out as you've studied them over the past few weeks? Well, I, I think they just a really good all-around team, man. These guys play hard. They compete really well. Um, you know, they believe in what they're doing. They're very well coached. They execute on offense, defense, and special teams. They have a lot of experience. They have an older team that has played together for a long time. And they have some really good players. So, um, you know, the quarterback's a really good player. The running back's a really good player. They've got some good receivers. Their offensive line does a good job. They've got some significant players on defense. The two corners are really good players. You know, they got some good pass rushers. Uh, 21 does a great job for them up front pass rushing. Uh, but they play really hard and really well together, you know, as a team. And they got good team speed, and they play well on special teams. So this is a good team. I mean, as good a team as we've played all year. Uh, when you listen to Nick Saban, not a lot of earth-shattering news, but that was following practice. We wanted to work that into the conversation. But really the big news from the takeaway is Bill O'Brien rejoining the team. Uh, but, Martin, I want to go back to Pete Golding just for a couple of minutes. And, um, you know, he said that he was not in a hurry to accept uh, another job. You know, the head coaching position really sounded like he was very happy and, and content in Tuscaloosa. And I, I don't know if you heard, a ch- uh, heard that reaction from Pete Golding, but – uh, I, I, anytime he gets in front of a mic, he's pretty impressive uh, with everything that he's able to handle. And, you know, being Nick Saban's right hand guy at the defensive side of the football is not an easy task. You, you know, Ryan, a couple of things that, that stands out there. Um, P. Golding was young, still is young. I mean, what, 36? He is young. Something yes. like that. Very. I mean, 36, 37 years old. Uh, so he's, he's extremely young to be at the helm of uh, this program if this was his first year uh and 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 so and and had not been in big time college football and and i think he's learning and growing as a defensive coordinator and uh and and i think that nick saban knew that about him if that makes sense i i think there's a reason nick saban knew that he was going through a transition right one thing as a ceo ryan if you if you're going to make transition, you want to have somebody that, that you feel like you can lean on and trust, even if they can't do it quite as well as somebody else. That trust factor goes a long way to let, helping you sleep at night. Uh, and, and so Alabama's been un, under a major overhaul with the offensive transition while Pete Golding was at the helm, right? No other defensive coordinator has ever had to – learn to practice against this type of offense and to get teams prepared. We used to do things that, that, that like when I look at the Georgia game, I look at how we play as Alabama and how different Georgia play and how difficult a preparation that process is when you don't get to see from your team, what everybody else is. Remember we used to talk about that's why the big 12 was poor on defense because of the offenses they played. Well, that's what we have now. And Pete Golding has weathered that transition, I think, to a point. And Nick Saban knows that 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 he can count on him to be there. One other thing, and I'll, I'll shut up, is I've had so many people tell me, Ryan, that they say the guy's like a savant when it comes to defense. Like scheming. His, his weakness is, and this is why you. This will help you understand why Nick Saban loves him so much. 
sitting in a room talking about this is how you break that down. This is how you stop that. They say he's unbelievable. They say it is unreal. What he was not good at is what? Relating. <laughs> well, we're relating and, and having to get all of that brain to operate in a five to eight second window. Right? Sure. Play, great, yeah. play. Think about what happens on a typical college play now, Ryan. Offense runs the ball. You have to calculate, okay, it was first and 10. Now it's second and seven. They they just they just subbed three guys, and the three guys they subbed are are are, are three wide receivers, and they took out two tight ends and brought in an extra running back. Oh my God, what, what are they? And then you have to know which defense you're going to run to stop that, <laughs> and you you have to have all of that. You have to decide, process that information, take that information, and then make a decision. Then communicate that to your team and then be ready in 15 to 20 seconds. I mean, do do you think there was something that they changed with this defense? Because there was a notable, um, and even I wrote down some of the things that he talked about was that they, they kind of fixed some of the communication problems. I mean, do you think that was just simply going back and maybe not being as complex and maybe trying to simplify some things? Were that fixed some of the communication? Because you, if you look at the last month of the season, there was not as many of that communication issues. Uh, I think two things. Yeah, I think some of that happened. But if you and I have been saying that for four years, Ryan, God forbid if the greatest coach in the world um, couldn't figure out that all he had to do was simplify and he wouldn't have had the struggles we've had defensively. So I don't think it's that simple. I think two things happen. Number one is Jordan Battle. Uh, a few few games back said he took on the Will Anderson of the defensive backs. And and, in like, and I, you can tell he got frustrated. And, and that helped with the communication. He said, I am the leader. He began to lead. But think about this. Remember about halfway through the season – Toa Toa was busy doing what? Instead of just – it took him about six games to realize I'm not at Tennessee. I don't have to make sure everybody does their job. I just need to do my job. And he quit after the play. Go back and look at the games before and the games after where he would get to play. Then he was at the line trying to tell the guys, move and, and, and screw over. And they knew what to do. Where at Tennessee, he may have had to – Help that. So I, I think that those two guys in their communication, now you have three leaders that you have a leader at all three levels. Will Anderson on the front, Toa Toa, and Jordan Battle. And I think when you have consistent communication, all three, it it makes it for better defense. So there's a there's a couple of different things that we could talk about. But let's talk about the offensive side of the football. We spent a couple of minutes here on the defensive side of the football. But when you look at Alabama's offense, how do you think they'll attack? Because I know you've got some strong opinions on Cincinnati trying to stop this balanced attack from Alabama. Uh, well, you know, Ryan, it's three, 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 five. I mean, five defensive backs on the field at any given time. Um. And so you are you are saying we're going to stop the pass with that type of defense. 
And then you stop the run by being aggressive with the blitz. And so I think you'll see um, them try to try to take away the pass by having, you know, five DBs out there and then try to cause some confusion. I, the way I would attack it is I would look for uh, Latou and Billingsley to have a big game, Ryan. One of the things that, that I learned, I mean, I knew it, but really have a better understanding uh, of it is when teams do what they call tackle over, they do that to create an extra gap, Ryan. You know, like, like between the center and the guard, guard and tackle, tackle and end. Now you got the end and another guy. What do you do if you have three defensive linemen and three linebackers in that scenario? And those three linebackers are stacked most of the time, not not up on the line. It creates an extra gap. Well, I don't know that we'll necessarily do tackle over, but I think you'll see Latou at the end, the, at, at the tight end spot, and what's his name in that wing spot, maybe some, which creates that same gap, that extra gap. Then that way you're able to be in the passing game and the running game. And so I think that's how we'll attack them uh, with the run uh, and, and just put them, stress them out, and they're going to try to do run blitzes, I think, to stop it. Jacob, you look like you want to jump in. Yeah, um, well, they do run a three three five, but I watched a lot of Notre Dame to kind of get an idea of what they're going to do because that's the most comparable opponent they have this season to Alabama as a team with – obviously Notre Dame doesn't have a passing attack worth mentioning, but they run the ball a lot very effectively with Kyron Williams. And what they did against Notre Dame a lot of times was even when they were in a three three five, they would still shade it over to where it was more of a four two five or it was a a two four five. It'd be some combination of something to where they were still in a position to be able to stop the run. And those were the kinds of things that they did very successfully uh, and and kind of forced looks that made Notre Dame to want to pass the football. And they had some success targeting their tight end. They have one of the best tight ends in the country, Amar. Uh, but really and truly, it, you know, as good as their secondary is, it's really just a bunch of different looks out of a nickel set, which Alabama runs a nickel almost 90% of the time anyway. So it's almost kind of the same thing, whereas – Instead of the idea of having four linebackers, they just have you know three linebackers and a safety out there to kind of help that, with that pass. Jacob, but that's the, what you just described though for a running team that knows how to run. A four-two is taking candy from a baby unless you're blitzing that extra safety. Oh yeah, and if you have if they still end up with six in the box, what I'm saying is they start off with three-three. Now we start off, we may have five. Uh, but but what where do we have uh, th th those guys aligned? We still run more of a four three or or a shaded as you said a shade. They're four two to me when they drop off to that linebacker that third linebacker that they don't have when they don't have him in the box is 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 clear advantage Alabama is, is what I'm saying is when they have when they shade that guy. Uh, and walk that linebacker up, that leaves them with two linebackers, and one of them is an inside linebacker, and now one of them is an outside linebacker, right? That's that's having to play in the middle, which is different. It's it's a totally different feel from the middle when they go to a 4-2 uh, in terms of how you play it. Now, the guy may be able to play both, but Will Anderson is absolutely a dominating 
outside linebacker. I don't think he'd be a very good inside linebacker. That makes sense. What I'm trying to. Oh yeah, no doubt. And I think so, one of the things that noted that that since he does it really well though is is substitution. So if you run hurry up, you can keep him from subbing because uh, yep. they've got a bunch of guys that are versatile. And another thing that they're very good at, regardless, is that they're very disciplined. When you know a lot of people bring up for Alabama how they've crushed three three five teams in the past because they're just bigger, stronger, faster. Think of Ole Miss who runs a three three five. Ole Miss doesn't have a lot of variety in their 3-3-5 because they don't have good defensive players. Cincinnati has good defensive players, so they're able to to maneuver around a little bit and use those substitutions, allow guys to be in the best position possible. They've got they've got a dog at at least every level of the field, so it, it kind of helps them out and be one of the better teams that runs that, that, that type of scheme. And, and that's why I say, and Ryan, I'll let you jump in here, that's why I said putting the tight end and an extra tight end in because now you have you have their four big guys, if you want to call them that, that fourth linebacker. They're going to be taken care of with who? You have five linemen, right? You have five linemen. You put the extra tight end in. Now you have six on six. And now you should have a, a tight end blocking on a safety or – or, or a corner based on what you you have in there. And if you got seven on seven to me with uh, uh, two of those guys being, uh, I mean, uh, one of those guys being a safety and everybody else is in pass coverage, and then you're able to flip it up. And to your point, I think that's what Notre Dame, why their tight end had success, though, is because you had to adjust to that run formation. Then he was able to get out into the passing game as well. And I think that's what we'll try to do as well. So with all that talk out there, Martin, I want to I want to lead into the Will Anderson audio. You brought up Will Anderson. It's a great segue. And I think Nick Saban really makes it a sports psychologist. We're going to play that coming up in three minutes. I'm going to get you to react to it. We'll throw it out there. And then we'll talk about some other teams in the Southeastern Conference. That and a lot more continued right here on Alabama Tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll Tide. Alabama is still Alabama. Tune in New Year's Eve. Touchdown, Alabama! It's the Crimson Tide and the Cincinnati Bearcats in the Cotton Bowl. Live from AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas in the college football playoff semifinal. Our coverage begins at 1130 on your home for Bama football. This is Eli Gold, and you're listening to your home for Alabama football, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9. It's also you having no fun. Have some fun, man. Talking Alabama Crimson Tide football on Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Martin Houston and I, we're going to be in a retirement village, okay? I just want to put that out there. Jacob, 
I hope you'll bring us something. I mean, you know, drop us some Chick-fil-A off or something. And one day we're going to open up the book, and it's going to be published by Nick Saban, you know, 20 years after this dynasty. And we're going to study, there's going to be one entire chapter that's going to be on sports psychology. It'll be like how Nick Saban was able to manipulate his team to believe that they were the underdog. And it's it's moments like this. I, I go back, and I was on with uh, Jay Barker earlier, and I referenced this with Ole Miss when they beat Alabama a couple of years, and Nick Saban convinced his team. Ole Miss said nothing. Ole Miss didn't do any smack talk, no bulletin board material, but Nick Saban had convinced his team silently that someone has your number. In other words, that he refused to talk, that their confidence uh, was there, and Nick Saban convinced them. Alabama went out and just beat Ole Miss bad, 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 bad. Will Anderson said something yesterday, and listen to it closely as the star linebacker said this to say as they prepare for Cincinnati. Um, To me, I still feel like we're the underdog in this game. I mean, you know, all year we have been disrespected. I'm pretty sure we're still probably getting disrespected out there. But right now, we're not really worried about the external factors right now. We just have to worry about what's going on inside the facility and the practice field and all the meetings and stuff like that. And I think that's our biggest concern right now, making sure that we're ready and prepared for this game. Martin Houston, Nick Saban was able to do it, the number one team in the country, two touchdown favorite against a group of five team, not a power five team. He's got Will Anderson talking like they're the underdog, which you got to love it. Yeah, it's uh... – when when the when the top dog uh, is is talking about being an underdog, uh, and you just you just uh, annihilated the the number one team in the country less than a month ago, but yet coming into the potentially the biggest gap from a talent standpoint, potentially of any one through four matchup ever. In in Alabama, defending national champions, defending SEC champions, Heisman Trophy, MVPs at their position, respective positions, best best one or two offensive linemen, best quarterback, best defensive line. You know what I mean? Like best receiver, all over the board, and yet you not not Ryan. What I love is he didn't say this game. Oh, we've been disrespected all year, man. I mean, they've been talking about us bad. All, I mean, it, it wasn't just that he's convinced that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, it, it's it doesn't get any better. And when you best players talking that way, you know he's passing that along and getting other guys fired up. So with that being said, like I'm, I'm having a hard time convinced. Uh, convincing myself that this game is going to be close. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, sound like a gump in Tuscaloosa, but when I look at this spread, Vegas has not moved it. It's not adjusted one time. Now, after hearing Will Anderson, I would probably adjust, but uh, 13 and a half points according to the experts in the desert, I'm not convinced that this game's going to be close. Yeah, this is, uh, I, I, I'm not going to say. I think it'll be. I, I think first of all, I think Cincy is a good team. Okay, um, I, I I do think that. I I, I do. Uh, 
I do not think that they're at the level of Alabama, but they don't have to be but one game. You know, I don't think they have to be but one game, Ryan. And that's what you uh, have to check check yourself on is that this team has enough talent to beat Alabama. Now, do they have enough talent to beat Alabama if Alabama comes out and plays, you know, their game? No, uh, and it won't be close. Uh, so what will be the process? What will be the impact of COVID? What will be the impact of the layoff? What will be the impact of all of the award and traveling, et cetera? If that doesn't have any impact, Alabama takes care of this team. What concerns me the most, Ryan, is two things. Is their strength on their defense, and, and uh, Jacob mentioned that they have some dogs at each one, but they have a couple dogs in the secondary. Okay, Their secondary is good. We will have to run the ball early. We will have to use the running game uh, to help open up the passing game even more if we're going to blow it off. Blow, blow the top off of it. So uh, they do have some really, really probably potentially top three or four DBs taken in the draft. Two of them very well could come from Cincy. So when you look at this, and you mentioned it right there, and maybe that's the part. I mean, there's two questions that I have around this Alabama team is which Alabama team is going to show up? Is it going to be the team that we saw in Atlanta? Or is it going to be a team that slips back into complacency of – of where they've been at some parts during the season, or does this team have that killer instinct? Because I think we're going to come out of Dallas knowing that this team is going to win the national title. I, I think we're going to know early on, does this team still have what they had in Atlanta, or do they slip back into maybe not that dialed-in football team that we've seen throughout? I, I think we're going to walk out of Dallas going, they've got it. And you hear Will Anderson, I would probably lean towards the latter. Uh, that they've got it. Yeah, you know, and that's that, and that's the key is uh, we we have Jimmy Jones said I think it's rat poison. I think we shouldn't overlook Cincinnati. I don't know that we're I don't know that the conversation we're we're at saying I don't think they're overlooking Cincinnati. When I hear him talking to me, I think that that's saying that this team is dialed in, not the opposite. Sure, I, I think. I think that Will Anderson's comments makes me feel even better uh, because I was a little concerned. Um, I'm glad that they chose to do a blackout against Alabama. That 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 you know, seriously, from a player standpoint, you you go, oh, so you're gonna pull out something special on us, you know? So it it, it is something that you look at as a player. So I think those things are helping focus this team versus us overlooking them. All right, so as, as you look at this game, you're going to be on extended amount of time on Friday morning, and uh, Martin, I, I, I saw your text. I'm sorry I haven't responded, but I, uh, I'm certainly available for some of that, and I know you're going to get a lot of our folks on from Tide 100.9. I know Jacob even threw out uh, earlier. He said, you know, I'm available if Martin Houston will call me, so uh, you've at least got Hey, to- Jacob. Jacob, you hey, I, I'll put you on the list, baby. Well, I, Let's hey, do it. Jacob, now are you are you are you video worthy? Always, I gotta show off this beard, man. Come on, hey, absolutely. So uh, you guys be killing me with you and Ryan with your beards. Y'all be, I'm, I'm, I. It, it, people talk about being vac shamed. I'm, I, I'm beard shamed. No, you got a good looking beard. I mean, you, you 
little Santa yeah. Claus in there, but I mean, <laughs> you could have said salt and pepper, but nice about it. Goodness gracious, right? <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, yeah, uh, Jacob, uh, man, if if you're available, I'd love to have you. We'll 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 do both uh, the on the air as well as uh, you know um, via the social media outlets. And now, Mark, you know, can I have the early spot because I, I think I saw that you were going on at like seven o'clock, or is it? 7 yeah, I'm I'm gonna sleep in Friday actually because I usually go on at six. I'm not gonna do six. Okay, I'm gonna do seven to nine thirty. Well, the the uh, you know, I'm I'm actually going to be flying out on uh, Friday morning uh, from the Tuscaloosa Regional Airport. So if I could, uh, you oh, know, so you're going out to Dallas? I am. I am for the game. Going to be uh, Martin. I'm I'm big timing on Friday morning. I'm going to jump on a private plane and uh, you know take a take a ride out to uh, Dallas wow. to to pull for the Crimson. Hey, Time. Jacob, Jacob, just we can both hope someday. That we can be the longest running sports talk show host, Mr. Ryan Fowler. When I grow up, I want to be Ryan Fowler. I, I, I've only been in a uh, I've been only been in a private plane one time, uh, so this will be the second time. But so if you don't mind, Jacob. Martin, if I could do the hold early on, hold segment, on, Jacob. Would be Jacob, what's your count on private plane? Uh, that would be a big fat zero. Did, did you notice? Did you notice that 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 brag? He he just bragged. Well, he listen, said, I've I've only been in it once, and this would be my second time. Well, the, the last time I, I don't I had... know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> but the last time, Martin, I couldn't tweet about getting on a plane because I had my tail between my legs. Uh, oh, tell me about it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence just just took us and bent us over our knee and just spanked us. So you're like getting on and you're like, I'm not saying anything. I just want to get back to yeah. Tuscaloosa. Just, you, you that was a long up. plane ride uh, back I, to back to T Town. So hopefully we can <laughs> I can go at least fifty percent here. Yeah, safe safe travels, Ryan. So that's going to be starting on Friday morning. Give me a time exactly, 7 a.m. And- 7, 7 a.m. We'll be live on Tide one hundred point nine on the radio. Uh, airways but then we'll go live on martin houston live and on um tie 109 on facebook and uh, martin houston live on y- youtube so we'll we'll be in all of the the, the regular places and uh both on the airways and uh and on the app and there's a, there's there's and i don't want to think i'm not the only one and then from 9 30 joe and the team uh let me get it right here make sure i do it right ryan uh from um what 9 30 um i'll kick things off and then from nine i mean till 9 30 and then 9 30 to 11 30 is the tailgate show uh and then from there uh, it'll be crimson tide we'll pick up the pregame and then jacob and jacob who who you be with jacob and carrie clark uh will be on the post game show as well so it's going to be wall-to-wall coverage from seven till probably about 8 30 so Another day of about 12, 13 hours of of local coverage that you're not going to get anywhere else. Jacob, let me just run it up here and uh, we'll end the show. Um, I have a lot of Auburn uh, fans that listen to this station, and, and they really they were texting me a couple of minutes ago and saying, have you guys really skipped out on, on the Auburn Tigers? But, you know, we do want to congratulate Houston for the impressive uh, victory over our little brother. It's uh, – 
you know, it was two mid-majors going toe-to-toe up in Birmingham, and uh, Dippin' Dots was going to host the Auburn Tigers over at the Galleria following uh, the game, but they decided to go on back home. Um, so it was a, it's a short drive, but Auburn, six and seven. How did that team play us the way that they did? Because I sat there and watched it, and the entire time I'm going, how did they do it? How did they do it? It just... I mean, Auburn did not look like a really good football team and really probably not a lot of energy to be there. Yeah, Ryan, well, the way, the way they played us uh, is they just, you know, we were very stagnant in what we were doing. Um, our quarterback was always in the same spot uh, on his drops. Uh, and when we ran the ball, we ran the ball from that same type of formation. wasn't a lot of call run so you just meet you played the 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 run on the way to the pass and what they did is they just harassed him by go back and look at how wide they put that outside linebacker Ryan because they knew we weren't running it up inside so they 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 made that tackle have to run all the way out and he wasn't trying to make the sack he was just trying to get Bryce to step up and then when he Bryce would step up that guy would fold back in Make the tackle. Bryce never escaped anyone. So even though we were a really good team, we were also very predictable, and they played near perfection. And you can't, you know, you can't argue with what happened. With it shows you that James, uh, Jamison Williams uh, is a difference maker in his ability to make you not just play sideline to sideline, but end zone to end zone. And when we lost that, it made them be able to play in the box even more. But you know, with Brian Harson and year number one. Not a lot of um, optimism towards uh, the growth. And I know it's year number one. It takes you a little bit of time. Uh, but if you're, he was the play caller in the Birmingham game uh, there, took over the play calling responsibility. There's been some early indication that he might do that next year because he's bringing in Austin Davis, who has also never called plays uh, there as, as far as the collegiate or the NFL level. It's just something to kind of keep an eye on, but it's going to be uh, transfer portal, transfer portal, but it's going to be hard to get that help wanted sign out when you look as bad as they did on the offensive side of the football. But, you know, the SEC, Martin, is 0-3. We're depending on Mississippi State, which is behind three points right now. 0-3. Yeah, I think it's, it's the lower tier of the SEC, and what we do that they beat those SEC schools is still the best conference in college football. Uh, and we'll, we'll, when it's all said and done, we'll see that bear itself out. Well, Alabama may have to take the water, and uh, we've been doing it since the 30s. Might as well continue the trend uh, when you look at it. One more time, Martin and I talked about this in the first segment. The story broke around John Madden uh, passing away unexpectedly at the age of 85. Uh, we talked about that in the opening segment, but we'll hit it right here as we go off the air. Martin Houston joins you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., Jacob Harrison off the edge at 11. I'll be back at 2 o'clock. Martin Houston, final parting words, anything? Well, hey, uh, to all the Alabama tradition folks, thanks for tuning in and uh, look for big things from the Crimson Tide. Go get one for – who do we get one for, Ryan? Skipper, who do we get one for? Bear, the legend, the great. Hey, we're just going to get – we're going to say it again, Jacob. For the snake. John, I loved him. <laughs> he did. He did. He did. Uh, I, I think Alabama's going to win by three touchdowns. But we'll talk more about our prediction 
Martin Houston tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. I'll talk to you at 2. Good night, T-Town. Roll Tide. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. We continue to monitor the threat for severe weather tomorrow across central Alabama. But no strong storms there tonight, just mostly cloudy, warm, and breezy conditions with a chance of showers at times. There could be some thunder overnight tonight. Daytime high today, 75, 65 tonight. Tomorrow, rain and thunderstorm chances increase. Stronger storms could have damaging winds, hail, and a tornado. Look for a high of 75. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 74 degrees in Tuscaloosa.